0: what's up guys welcome back to the s3 magazine podcast today we are here with the boys from mechanical advantage racing so let's talk about race cars yeah you're
1: gonna come uh, right out the gate cut <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right so today we're here with kendall grant and david as I said in the intro of Mechanical Advantage Racing, give us a little bit of background. What is Mechanical Advantage?
2: Uh, it mostly just a group of total idiots building race cars. Fair enough.
0: So As these it rides, should always be. Yeah. Uh, so, what do each of you drive?
2: I don't drive because the Subaru's mostly broken. But if I was driving, I'd be driving one of
3: many Subarus.
2: That's the most Subaru thing I've ever heard. Yeah,
3: the most Subaru thing ever.
2: Hey, you know, I'm going to go ahead and completely take this onto a tangent immediately.
1: (laughs) I have three
2: Subarus. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. I want to point out, you know, at Speed Ring, when you did all the pictures of our cars. Right. We... Both Grant and I, we had a rough weekend. Grant was having boost issues. Uh, I was having dry sump issues. The cars weren't running right. And there was nothing more rewarding than having the cars on track for a photo shoot while no one paid attention to the winners on the podium because they were all wondering why the two cars that were (laughs) not performing well were getting all
3: of this hype. (laughs) And
2: I just want to point that out, that that's what we did. We built cool-looking cars, and we do our best. Sometimes it doesn't go well. Uh, (laughs) But at the end of the day, I mean, they're getting the attention that we wanted. That's right.
3: Flex on them.
0: Anyway, what do you drive? I drive
3: a 95 K24 Turbo Miata.
0: K Miata. Most of it's cut out,
3: but it's still there.
4: And then uh, I drive a 93 240SX with uh, NSR20 on it.
0: Mm. That's oh, right yeah. So, That's not,
4: it. It's not on it. It's in it. I don't know why. I,
0: <laughs> <On>
1: <laughs>
0: it. I wish It'll mine be done it. in it. Mine might It'll as well be... be on top of it because <laughs> it's not doing any good sitting where it's sitting. <laughs> so oh, you guys, yeah, you would think, especially the 240 guys, you'd be like, oh, K Miata, not so much the Subaru, but like K Miata, SR2240. These are drift guys, right? No, you guys are all time attack all the way, right?
5: In different classes, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all spread uh, out that's that, classes. That's We're all engineers,
4: idea. so we want the cars to perform well, even though they may not at times. Yeah. But
1: purpose oh. purpose. If, built. if they're running, they're running right, damn it. <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> Uh, That's
2: how it goes in racing. Sometimes it doesn't go how you plan.
1: So the Subaru, it runs Unlimited, right? Uh, Yes,
2: but technically it's like a shade above a track mod car. Um, It's similar to Grant's. We elected to bring Grant down a class, and the only thing that's holding mine in Unlimited at this point is the flat bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so... It does run Unlimited, but I think it'd be more competitive in Track Mod. I just, I don't want to declass it. Yeah.
1: Like, walk us through, I guess, all the, you know, the main highlights of the build or whatever, just to give people an idea um, of how radical this thing is. And and you mentioned, like, at the beginning, like, uh, just jokingly, you know, oh, we're just <laughs> idiots that mess with cars, like... Not true. You work at Borg <laughs> <Ford> Warner. <laughs> yeah. I know, Grant, you still work at Honda America, right?
2: Yes. And um, then David is at Performance Electronics, so David did the, like, mil-spec wiring harnesses in the cars as well. So it, it kind of has taken all three of us to make each car yeah. where it is.
1: Yeah, you guys are, like, mad scientists. Um, so, all right, what's done? It's sequential, right?
2: Yeah, so the Subaru has an X-Shift sequential in it. Um, One of the things that I've been trying to get working was a home-brewed paddle shift setup, Um, and a lot of the functionality that has made that possible was uh, the Performance Electronics ECU that David wired in there. So that has paddle shift, um, I guess, tables that you can tune. And then I kind of did what you're saying, the mad scientist... um, I made it or used an air compressor from uh, an air suspension setup in a homemade <laughs> air tank, uh, <laughs> powering a McMaster car air cylinder through some uh, simulator paddles. And it's almost there. It, it'll work on upshifts, <laughs> just not downshifts. Uh, we got to yep,
4: add a then, blipper on the downshifts.
2: So it has the blipper, it's not blipping enough. Uh, Currently at 30% throttle, and I think we need to get it up to 60% throttle for a rev match on the downshift, and then it'll work. But, uh, yeah, so it's got the sequential, and then a built engine. Um, This year going to an IAG closed deck setup, which will be interesting, because if anyone has talked to me in the pits, I'm like usually the anti-closed deck person. (laughs) Uh, But iag has proved that they work through sally's car and uh, like half of the subarus out in the field while what i've used is sleeved which is slightly older and very strong combustion wise you're not going to split a cylinder wall, but it weakens the main so um i want to fix that because that's where a lot of oiling issues have come from in my car so go into that uh, 2.3 liter d stroker iag sleeved short block i'll assemble the short block they've done all the machining Fire ringed um, with their, uh, I think it's called the fire lock gasket. So it's like counterboard and you don't use a head gasket anymore. It's basically a crush washer. Yeah. So that's, okay. that, that's pretty wild. Of course, built heads. I won't dive into those. Um, and then dry sump and the rest of the stuff a race car would have. Fuel cell, roll cage, race seat, uh, you know, all that good stuff.
1: So... All right. So before Borg Warner, you worked at Honda, right? That's where you and Grant became. Yeah.
2: Buddies? Yeah. So I was there a year before Grant. And I hired in with uh, two other guys, Nick Gary and Nick Mitchell. Uh, and they had started kind of helping me build towards the GridLife event, I guess. <laughs> that was my target after seeing how crazy GridLife uh, South was. That was what I was targeting. And so we started building then grant hired in and started helping so the first event we got to go to was the four of us okay and at this point out of those original four um nick mitchell and grant are the only ones still there and then they've kind of the team's kind of adopted a few more from honda as well
1: all right so (laughs) how are you such a diehard subaru guy if you're working for honda Um, it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> You're like, damn, these Hondas are pretty reliable. <laughs> you know what? I
5: don't
4: like any it. problem. <laughs> you okay, Here, here's what you got to understand. He makes money off building engines.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you okay. got to find and an
4: industry where they're constantly blowing up.
2: <laughs> the greatest part about that was at PRI this year. I was uh, that's when I was talking to the IAG guys, and JJ is the owner of IAG. We were at the J.E. Pistons booth, and they asked the exact same thing to JJ, like, you know, if these are so unreliable, why the hell would you try and make a a business off of this? And then he just asked, how many pistons did we buy last year? And they said something <laughs> like 40,000 pistons. It was something that oh, like, literally wow. blew my mind. They were the largest consumer that JE had sold to for an aftermarket shop. This is a, literally an, a Subaru shop that's now got a like, 200,000 square foot facility just building engines nonstop. Uh, there's a lot of money to be had because even the best engines will fail in that market. Yeah. That said, Grant's car kind of drives me nuts because he like picked a, a junkyard block up for a hundred bucks, and I told <laughs> them we should uh, we should measure when we tear it down. Let's bolt it together and let's see what the clearances are on this like two hundred thousand mile block. The uh, tolerance or like you know for bearing clearance, you want it within a few ten-thousands for a blueprinted block on uh-huh. all the mains and stuff. His 200,000-mile block was basically as good as I could get a freshly machined Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> and that was completely the most eye-opening thing where it's like the worst-case scenario for a Honda is the best-case scenario for a Subaru. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've messed with Hondas, and that was always like the the... The wisdom or whatever is like, don't touch it. Just put it in the dam, swap it in the car, and don't touch it <laughs> until it breaks. And I did that. I got a CRX with a B16. And it's been in there for 10 years. And I have no idea what's in it, what I got. I just got the motor, stuck it in. It's still going. It Even it it clutch is in it. it.
0: I've asked him. I'm like, yo, this is definitely a heavy aftermarket clutch. I'm like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. They told me not to look. <laughs> Didn't look
5: it's yeah. been shut down since
1: 94 <laughs> all right so i guess grant then uh what's like whatever the similar background on your car how how did you end up with a miata i know why you ended up with a k-series in it like the <laughs> but like you know were you always a miata guy or what so my first truck was like a dodge
3: dakota v6 pickup truck so it wasn't a lot of fun but it hauled a bunch of chainsaws and tree limbs and made some money in high school but then when i went to uh college i wanted something sportier like i'd wanted for my first car but i got that one for uh my parents got that for me so i couldn't really argue with that but i went and a uh, couple of my dad's friends were like, yeah, the you know, Miatas are a great little car, and they got tons of aftermarket support. You can pick them up for cheap, and I started looking. I found a good one in Indianapolis. Picked it up, and I drove that for five years, and then met Kendall, helped him for a year with his race car, and then I said, I want one. So yeah. got all torn apart, and uh, all the parts were sold off, and I was trying to figure out what engine to go in it, and that's right around when miata started making their products and i was like this is an awesome swap so oh, that's yeah. how they went going that route
4: makes sense grant right, was in. super clean though and it pains almost everyone in our little local friend group that he cut it up <laughs>
1: oh it was clean when you it started was, oh so
2: clean it was it, it, i agree cleanest miata i think i've ever seen <laughs> it was so nice <laughs> now i will never
0: understand Jackie Ding was the same way. It was like a 30,000 mile S2000 before he started beating the piss out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like, sounds about right. I mean, I, I'll I, never understand you, race car guy.
1: <laughs> I get it. Because after we did that Type R thing last year with Motivisi, I remember after Grid Life Midwest, like I was kind of a nervous wreck, man, because I didn't know Gingerman. And Ginger Man is kind of a sporadic little track if you don't know. The, you know, it's yeah. short. It's not like Road Atlanta where you, like, you kind of get little, you break it down in sections and get your bearings. Yeah. Like, they threw me out there, and and I shouldn't have been out there when they threw me out there because there were guys that were way faster than me, than me and way more experienced. And the whole time, it's like, crap, crap! Where the hell am I? I'm to watch from here to figure out which the
5: audio of Wooly. Dude, it,
1: it, was, it was nerve-wracking. So, like but but the uh, by sunday i remember after the last session i was sitting there taking a leak and i was like crap this is how it happens man cuz all i want is one more session you know what i mean <laughs> like, cuz by the time you know by the time it was the last one on that sunday it was like it was finally starting to connect and make sense and you were improving and realizing you could push you know harder and then it was like oh crap i'm hooked you know then, it was I, I felt it for sure And that's kind of what I want to do with the CRX, maybe. But I feel like your race car has to be on the street. Like, that's always, since I was a little kid, I was like, my dad vintage race, And I was like, but dad, why don't you drive this thing on the street? He had an old 356 911, or 356 Porsche. And, uh. He was like, well, you know, it just doesn't make sense anymore to have it on the street. I'm like, yeah, but it looks awesome. It should be on the street. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, when you grow up, you'll understand one day, and I'm 40, and I still don't understand. Like, yeah. I just feel like it's got to be on the street. But all right, so, David, like, it's an S13, right? Yeah. With an SR20, how the hell did all this happen? How long, how long have you been doing it?
4: All right, so when I was 16... I was looking for my first car and I really wanted a DSM because I'm from Cleveland. So I grew up <laughs> there he I grew is. up going to the shootout uh-huh. and like all the older kids like a few years older than me, because I graduated in 2012. So like all the kids a few years older than me all had, you know, oh I got a 1G talon with a, you know, a busher package and a Shep trans. And it was just normal to like get on the highway and just like rip all-wheel drive burnouts at like 70 and like
5: you know, whole set
4: HX thirty-five. <laughs> You know, we had a joke. There's like a big Puerto Rican community that did DSM tuning, and they'd be like, "You know, I got a I got a raccoon in the block, but it still makes 500." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but just they were dirt cheap, and uh, and I really wanted one, and my parents didn't want me to get a stick because we didn't grow. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, so like whatever car I had, like kind of had to work for the family too. If right. like my parents' I, yeah. car broke. So uh my uncle owned a Mako. So he was constantly like getting salvage titles and he knew I was like in, into the rice burners, as he said. Mm-hmm. And uh he got a 3G V6 eclipse in and he just thought mm-hmm. like, oh David He's will gonna like love this. <laughs> so he talked my parents in and ain't letting me have it. I was just stoked that they were gonna let me have a five speed. Yeah. So I took it, I was like, you know what? It's not a DSM, but it's a five speed, it's better than nothing. Yeah. So I drove that for like a year, and then at seventeen i say i was saving up a little more money to maybe buy like a real shitty d s m and then I could still have my car that got me to work and uh I just wasn't finding anything and then this car came up on Craig'slist for like this was twenty eleven for uh it was six thousand dollars it was a s thirteen with like hundred and fifty k miles on it. It didn't run, but it was bone stock, and it came with like TN coils, FNO one rc wheels, an SR20 on the pallet from Japan, and just, uh, I shit you not, a three-page list of parts, like, on all good parts, like, SPL suspension parts, um, just you name it, just a huge, like, it was, like, 19 grand in parts,
1: Dang. and, uh,
4: and uh, I contacted the guy, and he was like, oh, I can't, like, meet you right now, I'm in my Florida home. It was some rich kid who, like, bought all these parts, wanted to right. build a car, and didn't Put anything together, yeah. So I just went to this. Like, his dad owned a bunch of property in Cleveland, I, it was like stored at some random warehouse, so I never met the people. And like, I wasn't 18, so my dad, like, met the guy's dad and transferred the title for me. But uh, I ended up talking him down to three thousand dollars, and I traded him no for like way. two 12 inch subs with like a crazy amp.
5: Oh my god. And, uh, Oh, so I so, so I got
4: like a, a decent like S13. Oh, and all it needed was uh brakes. Like they let the he said it had like a brake system failure. He let the front calipers get so bad that they were halfway through the rotor like to the fins. So all oh, the pedal, yeah. so the ca- the piston came all the way out all the fluid leaked yeah. down it. So I just like reset it and I drove it around for 2 weeks and then I was like I'm poor. I'm just going to strip this thing <laughs> down fight. <make> <laughs> so that's <laughs> That's how I ruined
3: that 240.
0: That's cool. Man. Dude, that gets me so hyped. So, like, if anybody's listening don't know, I have an S13 as well, kind of the same situation. I worked for advanced auto parts at the time. And this guy comes in, and he's like, he's like, yo, do you know anybody looking for, like, a 240? And I'm like, well, what kind of 240? I mean, there's, like, Volvos, there's, you know, 240Zs. Like, what are we talking here? And he's like, oh, it's just an old 240SX. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, give me some background on it. And he's like, well, you know, I've had it practically since it was new. You know, in 2005, I I took the head off for whatever reason, and I let it sit. And it's been sitting on my parents' farm ever since. I All I did was change the shocks once, and, like, it's completely original. So he sold it to me for 300 bucks. I did the same thing. I picked up an SR20. Um, None of it is in the car. I've been working on it for a year, and it's all in pieces. But I got like Woolwood brakes, you know, all ISR, like suspension components. Um, the engine came with like a bunch of stuff that was imported with it from Japan. Um, and it's so sick. So it makes me hype that somebody like else is in the S13s. That's not a drift guy. It's like somebody <laughs> not trying to convince me to beat the hell out of it. Granted, I will on the street. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna go bashing it in the other doors or anything
4: i think there's plenty of grip s chassis starting to get a little more fan i mean the the hammerhead from uh, australia or new zealand yeah. you guys know what the car i'm talking about uh-huh.
0: yeah. i don't think so the
4: mca hammerhead for the longest i think for like a good few years it was the fastest time attack car in the world
1: Oh yeah, okay. that's what—that's
3: what opened my eyes to 240 time attack. I didn't know many people really did grip 240s, but then that thing started winning, setting records, and everything. It was crazy. Yeah,
0: you know, I didn't know that? people did it either. Who is the it dude at Grid Life South? What's that? Who at Grid Life South? The who is that dude in that green <laughs> S13 hatch at Good Life South that just ate the wall the last day? Ooh, Do y'all know him. Did y'all see that? It was gnarly. I didn't see it. I, I, didn't think he see like, it I, I think he like lost the brakes right before the kitty litter. I don't know what turn that is, because I'm not I'm not a racer, but uh Ten? but yeah, he like I, I don't know if he tried to save it or something, but he like basically pulled <clears throat> the car in half. Like he hit the wall and it just like Is that the, the
5: car me? that was like trailered right next to us to where we were with yeah, the type R? Tra-
0: yeah, they trailered it up beside the type R. Yeah, it was bad. I felt so bad for the dude because that thing was mangled. But anyway, what were you saying? Um,
2: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. ahead, I was going to say that 240 when it was like dominating the Hammerhead, that's when, uh, was it Mighty Mouse? The, that Honda as well yeah. was killing it. Um, yeah. And those were two cars that. Just like Grant was saying, I I wouldn't have thought, and I don't, uh, what you see, I I guess as the status quo, which I do think is kind of like a Subaru or an Evo here, Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't see them, like they don't quite, I, I don't know what it is on a world level that they're just not quite there, it is the other chassis, these weird ones like Willow Young's, the cars that aren't necessarily the first thing you'd think of to be the fastest time attack car that's what is doing it
1: yeah
4: i've always wondered like uh with a you know since none of us are like pro racers and i'm very new to this um like if you took the people that really push those front wheel drive chassis to the max like if you took the same amount of dedication money and time and you put that into like a real wheel drive chassis like would it be faster? Or is it just the fact that some of the most dedicated and talented individuals in North America happen to start with front-wheel drive?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, I always wonder that, too. And it's like, I think that the Honda community kind of pushed through those barriers to make Hondas what they are. Because, like, you know, there was a time, at least in my recollection, where, like, 2003, that kind of era, like, Hondas were kind of like, come on, man, aren't you tired of getting your ass kicked yet? You know, like, <laughs> it's like you said, DSMs were just eating them up and all that, you know. and But, like, dude, people love their Hondas, and they kept pushing, and they kept building, and then they would break through, and they'd find out, you know, the or whatever, and they'd figure out the next thing. And I just think that the Honda Nation will <clears> not <throat> die. And because of that, and because they got good bones, you know, and because you can swap, they're so swappable and everything, like, you can just do any damn thing with them, man. I mean, what what the hell did Will run at Road Atlanta? Didn't he set a record there at, like, 118 or something like that? Something just stupid. Something absolutely ridiculous. But I used to work at, I mean, like, I used to work at Panos Racing School in, like, the early 2000s. And, dude, like, he's closing in on Lama car times. Yeah freaking insane now granted i know it's all perfect condition one car on track and all of that but jesus man it's insane i love showing that to like my dad's you know my dad and his buddies are all ex vintage racers or current vintage racers and they just cannot believe that <laughs> i'm doing that you know it's just it's insane um how long have you guys each been driving like how how many years have you been doing this Kendall, you want to
2: start? Yeah, Yeah. my first track day got uh, 2014,
1: 2013.
2: Okay. No, no, no. It would have been 2012, um, and it was in my 05 STI right before I got Slumdog, and our school our college had a racing team so like they'd pay for the drag race events like 30 bucks a driver here and there mm-hmm. and then they allowed us to go to a road race event um like an open lapping and they paid for it and I, why wouldn't you go if they're gonna pay for it worst case you know yeah. you go home and well it's kind of what woolly was saying earlier you get there and it's like oh crap I can't stop now. Like I got the bug. And then as soon as that happened, I put that car up for sale. Cause I knew an O five 5 STI was too expensive to be tracking. At least I was like 18. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I, yeah. so I sold it and got slumdog and swapped it. I uh, had a cheap chassis with a fast motor and, and started there. And so I wouldn't say I competed that long, but yeah, uh, really probably three maybe four years of true competition and then a lot of hobbying and hpdes with instructors back then
1: okay that's cool what about you grant how many years in are you uh ever ever since i bought that
3: miata it was kind of when i bought it it was kind of set up for autocross that's what i used it for went to you know autocrosses here and there but my actual first track experience was on my sport bike i just had a Suzuki uh, GSX-R600 and went out with, uh, I met some guys in college that track their bikes and bought a suit and uh, some boots and they took me out for my first uh, track day. And then I was pretty much hooked as well. It's it's a little bit of a different experience laying down on the pavement, going around the turns. But um, (laughs) once I got behind the wheel of a car on the track, it was, uh, I fell in love with it. Just that it's a different sensation of the grip level going around a turn that kind of hooks. The sport bikes have the acceleration and the straight lines and braking and everything, but that grip in the turns is what really, you know, tosses all your guts to the side and makes you hold on to that wheel for your life. And that's what (laughs) hooked me. So question
2: not being a motorcycle person which is more do you think cars are more exhilarating i would feel like motorcycles you're on the edge of death a little more
3: like you don't have protection i think like so like the racing we're doing right now is a little more exhilarating because we're freaking going out there and trying to set times but all the motorcycle track day stuff i did was like kind of like hobby HPDE stuff so i was i was not necessarily pushing my comfort level because the consequences on a bike are so much higher. You know, you see somebody mess up a braking zone and instead of like locking up a front tire, you only have one. So if you lock up your front tire you end up on the pavement and sliding into the grass fifty feet.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So you end up you end up missing a few days of work at Honda. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: That happened to a friend of ours.
0: <laughs> oh really? So it's a great uh, video.
2: The, yeah. uh, it's a
0: video. I love that.
3: <laughs> it's one of
2: our other buddies has like the video and he makes the braking zone and you see David come flying by <laughs> like doing a nose wheelie <laughs> and just blows the corner and cartwheels off the track. It's Yeah, it makes it's you ridiculous. cringe. It's yeah. cringy but also hilarious knowing that you know he's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. So... so
1: so, David, you're newer, right? I mean, you're younger. I'm assuming you you're newer to to the Time Attack stuff. Um, how how long have you been doing it? So, I have
4: actually not driven my car on track yet. Oh. Um, I started in to like 2016, driving a FSAE, so like the Formula Student for yeah, 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 our yeah. college. So I started driving those cars, and um, I got a little bit of seat time doing that, and then some of the alumni to like kind of help us train up let me drive their uh, FRS at some autocrosses, and I did decently well at my first autocross there. And then uh, after college, while I was finishing my car, because my car sat all through college. Like I just didn't have money to do anything, didn't have time.
1: That's that's why they make credit cards, man. Yeah,
4: (laughs) I know, I know. I mean (laughs) – no, don't do that. That's what I do. Hindsight, did. I would have <laughs> saved all my money in college, graduated, and bought a C5. But
1: um, <laughs> see, then, it uh, takes people their whole life to learn that. That's why old people drive Corvettes. Oh, by the time, <laughs> t- by the people time, like these guys are like, I'm gonna beat them with a Subaru. No, I'm gonna beat them with a Case By the time you are like 55, you're like, you know what? Fuck this. Just I'm kidding. just gonna get a bed. <laughs> by the time I'm 30, I'll be that dude with the
4: probably a C6 or a C7 out there, just being that. Being that guy, <laughs> yeah. But um, after school, I was graduated for about two months, and uh, I bought a shifter cart because I talked to. I have a fabricator at work who's kind of like in the racing world, and he was like, "Man, if you want," because I was thinking about buying a Tomos fit off of them, uh-huh. and he was like, "Okay, you know, you know what? If you want the highest G per dollar, seat mm-hmm. time per dollar." buy a shifter cart. It'll beat the shit out of you. you are pull many Gs in the turns, and it'll teach you how to drive. Mm-hmm. So I bought, a sh- I bought a shifter cart, and I just started driving that around. I've been driving that for like two years. I'm on my second cart now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also that first year I got out, I bought a sim. So I really uh-huh. just tried to kind of... It sounds silly when you're like, oh, well, why are you caging and building this full-on car for you haven't even been on track yet? I, f- I feel like I have a decent amount of practice, Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, obviously not arrogant or cocky. I'll probably not win anything this year, but <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not scared to be on track. I'm just, you know, inexperienced.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you say you're not. scared. We all got to start somewhere. Like you say, you're not scared. Like, what do you guys go through mentally? Like when you're getting ready to go out on track? Like, I know you guys have, you know, a decent amount of experience now. Like, do you still get freaking scared or anxious or butterflies or any of that kind of feeling that's one of the problems
3: that it comes with building your own car
2: (laughs) well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put on top of grant's statement there that's one of the problems of building your own car and getting help from other people building your own car (laughs) because i know there's been uh like grant was there at midwest like the first season we campaigned mine and we had to quickly make some suspension changes. And I'm sitting in the driver's seat while they're finishing aligning the car. And Grant, like, taps the roof and he says, you're good to go. And then Nick Mitchell's on the other side. And I'm like, guys, did you remember to torque the the trailing arms when you did that? And Grant's like, oh, of course. And Nick is like, what? <laughs>
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. That...
2: <laughs> has haunted me every time I've gotten in my car. Like I've double checked <laughs> stuff, but you never know. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank God it, they they've always been torqued. But um, yes, that that is what gives me kind of the the uh, heavy jeebies. I guess going out there is when you build your own car, you just maybe miss something, and we're all human, so it could totally happen. That's, That's exactly yeah, why I'm. That's that, that, exactly why this engine's coming out right now. To uh, to
4: elaborate on my statement, I'm uh I'm more scared of driving my two forty at 120 than I am at my shifter card at 70. Really? Yeah, because the shifter card it's simple and if something happens, you just kind of get ejected off of it. (laughs) Whereas like (laughs) the car it could catch you on fire, and fire scares me more than anything else. So that that was what I was thinking kind of when Grant was talking about the bike. I'm like yeah, the bike is really scary, but like when you think about it, a lot of the a lot of the track accidents seem to be low sides, and yeah. that seems I would rather low side a car than have a car catch on fire. Yeah, or a low yeah. side a bike. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. so do you guys like what about the mind games? I think we were talking about this with Jason Owens yesterday. We were over there hanging out with him. I I figure you know him, um, but uh, like. Do you guys, does the fear of failure bother you guys? Like, are you sitting there thinking, son of a bitch, I don't want to be the one, you know, to whatever, screw up, look like an ass, crash a car, do any of that? Or is there a point when you, like, that was a big deal for me last year with the Type R. Now, yeah, the Type R was totally a street car, but I was new to being on track in a long, long time. And I felt like this kind of like, you know, you feel like, oh, shit, they're watching me. You know, like my buddies are watching me or, or I'm going to go yeet this thing into a wall and everybody's going to be like, dude, that's that dude from S3 Magazine. He's a freaking <laughs> idiot. Let's go post about it or whatever. Like there was a lot of that kind of mental crap that I was like worrying about that I really shouldn't have even been worrying about, you know, just fear of failure stuff. Uh, do you guys deal with that or do you get to a point where you're like, whatever man full send we'll see what happens like worst case there's a tow truck
2: i don't think anyone on the team is that mindset of like just going out in full send i think we're cautious but i will say within the team it's one thing that i've really liked about the team because i felt what you're saying the first year we ran yeah and then i realized that even when i did poorly and felt like, you know, I brought these guys out to help. And, I you know, I didn't do them justice.
1: Right, right. right. Uh, they didn't
2: care because they were there to support either way. Uh, yeah. Which is what I was saying at Speed Rearing as well. It didn't matter. We were all there. We had a good time. I do still get that the more the cars develop. And I want to hear Grant's. Because Grant's car is now, us. you know, going on season three. Um, every season we've made... Huge changes to the car, uh, to, to both cars. The Subaru gets a sequential. My times got slower after I put the sequential in, and like those things mm-hmm. have played real mind games. Where it's, you start checking down the list of here's what Willow Young and James Houghton have, mm-hmm. and when you look at the list in my Subaru, it's also, it also has all those things. Why am I ten seconds behind? And right. there's a lot, a lot of people don't realize what's in that recipe that just because the parts are there doesn't mean they work well together doesn't mean i know how to drive it yet um and i'm curious what because grant went from no turbo to a turbo and we had a bunch of issues did you feel the same way grant that like more you have less excuses i guess if it if you don't do well
3: yeah it's um it's always well you know being a miata in general usually they're seen as the you know the ones trying to keep up (laughs) on track uh but um really though it's it's there's something to say about stepping through the builds and taking it one step at a time and trying to learn the setup and make it faster what it is then taking that next step Mm -hmm. um but you know all of us being engineers we're always like well you know we can make this or i know how to do (laughs) that so let's try it out you know, and I'm excited to see what else I can do to the car. And so we yeah. can't stop ourselves. So it yeah. ends up turning into these, you know, crazy cars that everybody wants to pitch in and work on. And we, and we made some pretty cool stuff. But there is something to say about, you know, step by step getting, if you put the turbo on, you know, make sure that turbo is working 100% before you start doing something else crazy. But I just think we can't help ourselves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, that's what I, I love that. about attack, though. Like that's the cool thing about time attack it's not just drivers, it's like drivers and builders <clears throat> and car guys and yeah, you know, yeah. and all this is racers and it's all that kind of stuff in one like you know the bummer about wheel to wheel stuff is to me the rules, you know what I mean like it's kind of like, ah, oh, dang it, you can't do that, but you know they'll be like, oh well, you can't run that engine' like, yeah you can well no, you can't <laughs> run the engine and that class. you know it's like well, come on, man, this is a race, isn't it you know like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's super cool. I've written articles about that. I don't remember which one off the top of my head. But I think it's super cool to watch that happen in Time Attack. I think we're kind of in the glory years and we don't realize it. You know what I mean? It's those early yeah, yeah. years where, like, people are fine. The Progression is happening fast. And, and and there's a lot of just cool stuff happening. And it's like you guys, man. Like, he's working on his car right now. Or some car. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's it's going on in in privateer type stuff. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of you guys have sponsors of some sort, but it's not like race team stuff yet. I don't know. I think that's well, that's, that's pretty cool, but where do you think time I, attack's going to go? Like so, I think
2: time attack has like a title kind of thing um, hmm. where what was it? Like 08 or 09 or something when uh Chris Rado was running the Scion. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, like that was a peak in Time Attack, and then it kind of died off for a few years, and then it came back, and I think we have passed the peak, and I think that peak was right around when uh, you had James Houghton and Will o. Young like back to back breaking records, and then yeah, James yeah. sells his car, and and Will's got wrecked, and I think we're going into kind of the trough now, and oh, yeah, you it's, think? I think it's going to be like the other Subaru behind the screen that is John's. These wild builds are happening, but John's car isn't going to do... I don't expect it to do anything spectacular for a year or two. It's going to take a season to get it figured out, and I know that's not this year. See,
4: see, I don't know, Kendall. I, I I don't think you can... Kind of judge time attack is just what are the greatest of the greatest doing i think you have to look like holistically and saying would you rather have an era where it's just two titans or would you have an era where it's a lot of competitive people like do, yeah. do you kind of take growing the community as more important or just having the absolute greatest of the greatest battling it out well, you know what i mean
2: well like, i think i think that's gonna go hand in hand Um, yeah, Yeah. because when Rado was doing it, they had Scion supporting the team. Like you Uh actually had, uh, I mean, uh, HPD Honda performance development was helping with some of wills and I'm, I'm not saying I fully disagree with you, but that brings some fans and like seeing those crazy times go down, brings the following, which then brings people like you to want to invest in their car to become part of it.
4: I don't know. And the flip, flip, side, the flip side is that's intimidating, and if you just see regular yeah. people out there, it's more inviting to say like, "Hey, he's just got a Subaru with some bolt-ons that he blows up every week, and I could
1: do that too."
2: It's true. To- anyone could do that.
1: I've got a buddy who works <laughs> at Yokohama, but like, we're we ride mountain bikes like multiple times a week together, and he has a S13 coupe actually that um, that he ran. He's built. He's got an engineer's mind, you know, and he. uh He's built this thing in a hell of a car in his own basement, but he can't compete with obviously the Houghtons and all those. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. the sport is kind of leaving him behind. And he's like frustrated with that because he's like, God dang it. I put all my freaking money and all this brain power and time into building something. And by the time I do. You know, I break at an event or it doesn't go well or it does, but then everybody else has gotten exponentially faster. And he's like, yeah. I'm almost at that point, man, where it's like, why don't I just have a fun car that I can go drive on track? Yeah. You know, and what yeah. am I chasing is his thing. And so, yeah, he, I, I get that side of it where you feel like, OK, now the men are really getting separated from the boys. And it's becoming a point where it's like, well, I can't even play at that level anymore. Yeah. You know, like there was a sweet spot, but like that, that's yeah, I get it, where that's kind of getting you know, the gaps getting too large. But
4: I mean, that that kind of goes back to your previous question of like what's the biggest hurdle to get over? And I feel like for me, at least it's getting in your own way of, you know, you spent all this time and all your money. and like the hardest part for me is like I haven't been on track, and sometimes I'll be in the garage thinking like, I've spent so much time and so much money and I haven't even driven this thing on track. And like, and it sounds silly, but like you start to question like time allocation. And that's to me is the yeah, biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, I get very anal and zeroed in. on like, oh, is this fuel line gonna rub against the chassis over time and, and you know, break through? Like yeah, I, yeah. once my car is running, it's running. I'm not the yeah. type of guy that is, you know, oh, I got the car running, but now I got to Rewire it, redo my fuel lines, I'm like, no, once it's running, it is now at the stage where it's running. I don't like to take yeah. shit apart and redo it, yeah, so yeah. like but that. you start getting to the point where my biggest fear is getting to mid Ohio at the end of July and saying, why didn't I spend my time doing x? why didn't yeah. I spend my time like I'm not really worried about what other people are going to think because. I've kind of gotten the opinion of some people that do more legit racing than I do and I'll show them like my welds on my cage or my wiring or whatever and they'll be like dude, have you been to one of these events? Like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But coming from FSAE like you read the rule book, and Grant can attest to this, like, the judges grill you on every... Like, if your shit's off by a quarter of an inch, they'll be like, oh, no, this doesn't pass rules. Really? Yeah. Could- and, like, I'm in that mindset where I'll go to these events, and I'm reading the Grid Life and the SSCA events, and I'm like, oh, my God, if, if my cage doesn't have this node perfect, they're going to be mad, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then you talk to people who have been there, and they're like, nah, man, they don't even look at it.
5: <laughs> yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about the FSAE? Because I know the I know Grant... So
3: it's pretty much a collegiate competition across the United States where it's uh, colleges build these little single-seater open-wheel cars, and there, mm-hmm. there's this huge rule set. And then you uh, go to these comp- – they have uh, kind of uh, large competitions out in the western part of the United States, and then the eastern one is in Michigan, and they actually mm-hmm. have one in Canada. Um, but pretty much you have all the – Like big wigs from the big three and Honda, Ford, GM, all these engineers that know their stuff come and just grill you on why you built your car the way you did and why you think it's better than doing it a different way. And it's crazy intense because they say, Well, where's your data to prove that? How did you, you know, how'd you simulate or what does your test data show that why that's better? So, I see where David's coming from. Where you get in that mindset from yeah. that type of motorsport to where you get into this like hobbyist time attack culture, where you're like, yeah. "Well, why'd you do that?" And they're like, "Well, I had some extra wood laying around, so I made a splitter, <laughs> and I wanted to see if it works."
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, see, we <laughs> were you. drinking some beer. and We figured. <laughs> I mean, that, you that's miss one thing. The. Go ahead.
4: I, I was going to say that's one thing that I've like kind of takes up a lot of my time is it's realizing like. All right, a lot of things in the performance aftermarket are like monkey see, monkey do. Like if you ask someone, you know, why why do you have an aeromotive pressure regulator on a car that you're running stock pressure? Why don't you just use the factory fuel pressure regulator? Oh, I don't know. I, I always see fuel systems that have it, so I bought it. It's like there's just a lot of like status quo, monkey see, monkey do stuff. And on top of that, uh, it just seems like when you come from where Grant and I came from, and I'm sure once I get through my first year, I'll be done with this. But like sometimes you look at someone's car and it is how it is or made of the material or the tubing that it's made of because that's what they had in their garage. Yeah. And you have to factor that in. And like I can't tell you that amount of hours <laughs> I've spent just making a fuel system like uh, like my fuel rail have a line on it where the hose end is a part of the fuel rail. Because I thought like, oh, that's one less if I don't have a hose end that goes to an adapter that goes yeah. to the fuel rail that's one less place to leak fuel and kill me.
0: So that's like yeah. you
4: get into this mindset and like, you know, just placing an order from summit for fuel system takes you four hours because you're like, <laughs> oh, well, what about this fitting? What about that fitting? Yeah. And at some point you just have to say, fuck it. It's 90%. All right.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so coming from the collegiate stuff, would you, would you rather be, would you rather what you're doing now be more like that or do you enjoy the kind of hobbyist, you know, what you have laying around the garage kind of thing? Is that more relieving? Do you feel more comfortable there or did you like the stress of uh, the collegiate of the, competition? The structure, really. I, I, yeah. think
4: a, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of engineering is very uh, control driven, like not really, I guess you could say a little ego driven of like, it's hard for me to buy parts if I can't find a spec sheet. Even if it's irrelevant, I just want to know what it does, want to know how many amps this pump's going to pull, want to size my wire properly? And it's all this stuff where you realize, like, all right, if I take a breath and ground myself a little bit, I'll realize that seat time is more important than this. And I know that. But when that's a part of your whole education and a part of your whole, like, my whole role in society is to be the person to question, like, could we make this better? Could we make this more cost effective? Could we improve something it's hard not to carry that over into your hobbies, even if I really do think that there's a fine balance of like engineering and being organized about how you go about a task, but also having the wisdom to say, I know that putting more time in this isn't going to yield any additional benefit.
5: Yeah,
3: right. That's insane. I I really enjoy both aspects because I like – you know, there is something to say about closed rule book racing, where you have these set of rules and you have to abide by them. And that really sets apart the teams that put in the test time and yeah. figured out how to do something with this chassis that no one else figured out how to do. Uh, but on the other hand, the um, like the FSAE thing we designed and built our suspension and chassis from scratch. Like we picked our points in space and built this car and so there's also, a, you know, a kind of a cool feeling that comes along with that because there's no other car like that yeah. in the world, which is pretty cool to think about, really. Uh, but, again, there's something to say when, you know, you have a field of 40 Miatas or 40 Corvettes and there's this one guy that's two seconds faster. You know, everybody wants to know what he did. He, he yeah, figured yeah. something out.
1: Yeah. I don't uh, know if I keep... Like I wish I had that kind of brain, man. I really am envious of that kind of stuff. You know, like that's just not me, man. It's just Just, not me. I'm just like, what do we have? Yeah, that'll work. We'll make make that work. I don't want to go to the store. We'll just make it work. You know, it's like.
2: I'm curious, David, because I haven't actually asked to dive in. What is your job? Is it uh, development? Is it product engineering? Is it uh i'm just curious
4: i'm i'm a product slash project engineer so there's only about 20 people who work at my company and like the majority of them are engineers so that's kind of why you haven't heard of our ecus because we don't have a big marketing department so as a large engineering and manufacturing source we just search for other companies that want to you know a, a bigger company who's mostly a branding company that could sell electronics. Right, uh, right, right.
1: Private label. Yeah. So it's,
2: it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting to hear your thought process on engineering because um, I'm almost like the polar opposite, and I see that in your build versus how I'm building because it's kind of the opposite of a spec sheet. Because but, in, pro- but in, in product in time, development,
4: we're actually kind of looking at the difference between our bills because you were taking the engine back out of the car to fix something yeah. you fucked up.
2: <laughs> okay. For, for the record, this, one was not my mess up. this was a learning process and management skills uh, and delegating tasks. But what I was trying to say is in product development, you're looking to make something that doesn't exist. So there's no spec sheet. So that is all I do all day. Um, like that's foreign to me to have a place to look. So that, I, I don't know. It's just an interesting way to uh, see the difference in, in your daily habits, I guess.
4: I, I think right. a big part of what I do is like contextual. So like if I'm building something for um, like a nitrous company, I know that it's going to be someone who may not be as, you know it's going to be a drag racer someone who's probably not oh, like in touch with computers but they they know the minutia of like what they needed to do so you have to kind of have a design language in like your touchscreen or your app or your pc program to say like all right i need this nitrous controller i don't need like a bunch of different you know very complicated engineering language type things but like i know what they know like they know words like bump box Or like they know words like Wattbox or you just have to set it up in an environment that's intuitive for its purpose. I don't know. That kind of wants to segue my mind into getting back to Jonathan. You were kind of talking about that you were kind of amazed of the thought process. But I think the other end of the thought process for me is like answering why you're doing something. So like I can get so down this engineering rabbit hole of like overthinking a shitty 240. Right. (laughs) But then at some point you're like, why am I doing this? Like, why are we out racing? Are we really out at time attack to break records? Or are we out to just enjoy it? Or are we out, you start questioning like, am I here to break records? Or am I here to enjoy it? Or am I here to do both and interface the two? So like, I don't necessarily think that the engineering mindset's the best way to approach grassroots racing. (laughs)
5: <laughs> it's really interesting you bring that up because I've, uh, I mean, I've seen some interviews with, you know, the, the James Houghton or the Will I Young, and I hear them like they are chasing milliseconds, you know, for, for months of work to, 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 fu- to get those few seconds. Um, and I'd be really interested to see where that transition is because a lot of these people who are chasing those seconds right now, they were very, you know, they were just out there to have fun. It's it's really interesting to kinda of like find out where that transition is when you get like super competitive where you're doing months and months of work to chase down a few seconds.
1: I feel like it's immediate. Like I know Hunter can relate. Like the first thing we had to do with that type R was drive it across the country <laughs> for a half mile event. So we were driving <laughs> from Georgia to California to get our ass handed to us by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they're going 180, 90 miles an hour and we're going like 133. But if, if it doesn't matter. All we wanted was 134. In the whole world, i just spent anything at that given time to get the next mile an hour. You know what I mean? Like we were, yeah, yeah. you know, we, it's just funny because we got there and we're like whatever man let's just have a good time that's all we're going to do and then after like a couple of passes you're like all right where's vp racing we're going to get you know like we're trying to get what we can, starting to pull stuff out of it you know anything you can do to try get that number you yeah. know what i mean yeah. you so can, if I, you
0: go watch if you go watch the the series of the type r on the day that we put the vp racing fuel on the type r i think i hit 133 miles an hour we were the slowest car at the event. However, I went, I went 133 miles an hour, which was two miles an hour faster than Wooly or Mike. And it was the <laughs> biggest celebration I think I've ever had. Listen, the crowd got
5: hyped, too, because we were super consistent all day long. I mean, it, it, every time it passed, it was 31, 31, 32, 31, whatever. And once we hit that like top right, everybody lost their shit on the crowd. Because we, we were, were
1: running we, a Dozen times to everybody else's one time. We would yeah, just pull yeah. back in and go back out and do it again, man. Like we were just yeah. running if it all I remember day. Correctly, I think Wooly was the
5: only one who was like officially registered. So no matter who was driving,
1: like yeah.
5: And the intercom was like, "Here comes Wooly again." And I'm, yeah. I look next to me, I'm like, "Wait, uh he's right."
1: Okay, no. I remember that. I remember like here's Wooly for his 100th run of the day, 130. 130- <laughs> wait 133 <laughs> was like the big
0: thing. yeah and like you can see like because like every our whole team was sitting in the vip booth with you know the other racers either the racers themselves or their families or friends or whatever and so when we hit that 133 everybody that was with s3 you know we had some friends come out from la or whatever they all jumped up and were just <laughs> yelling.
5: This yelling
0: and every like all the other racers, you know, entourage was just looking like why it's one hundred and thirty three miles an hour. My does that?
1: Yeah, well, screw them because we drove it back home to Georgia, too. So there's something to be said yeah. for that.
0: And Super Street trailer. Let me just say that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so Super Street was doing the same thing. Like our right. type R was was a project with Motivicity. And uh, Super Street was doing the right. same thing. So we drive from Georgia to California in a Type R loaded down. And they trailer from California to California <laughs> with, <laughs> their, with their Evo on the back. I'm like, come on, man. But we did beat the Super Street Evo. That's all I cared about that day. We sure did. So we were the second slowest. We should
5: have been racing for pinks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so it
2: to circle back, um, you had mentioned at what, what like, the tipping point for, I guess, seat time versus wrenching time. Yeah. I definitely, I think Grant went, and I, I, this is going to be really funny to see David go through this because he <laughs> thinks he's, he thinks he is, uh, like, innocent of or going to avoid this. to build it once and never touch it again. It's going to fall apart, David. It doesn't matter what you build. Uh, Grant had the same mindset. You know, it may not be the engine in his car, but it's the transmission, it's the rear diff. It happens, it's racing. Um, And it seems like the higher you go up the chain, the more they loosen the rule set to go, you know, street, street mod, track mod, unlimited, the the ratio of seat time to garage time gets more and more skewed, um, okay. and that's that's kind of why I was telling Grant let's let's push you back down. Don't keep modding it. Let's uh, it's kind of a track mod car. Where it's at? Keep it there and refine. That's why I've pushed David build for track mod. Don't go crazy. Um, it's just I think the nature of the beast that the more you modify, the less time you're going to get to drive it.
4: You know, yeah. Kendall, I got to say, for my situation, you're technically wrong because I haven't driven it. So any of <laughs> time is infinitely better than what I have. <laughs>
1: That's true. I love to watch engineers I, argue. Like, <laughs> I, <wish you> <laughs> I just made a diagram real quick as to why you're wrong.
2: <laughs> I wish you luck. It's, it, it's the worst I've been there where you kind of come out of the garage, the Colorado event that I went to, that was, that broke me. That completely changed my view on racing, was to spend six months. I rented the local airport um, to go test the sequential and the new electronics and dial it. I rented a dyno (laughs) when I got to Colorado. I I, like literally skipped events to prepare for it. We pulled the car out of the trailer. The clutch exploded and blew the bell housing out and like it broke the engine, the transmission all in one shot. And I didn't even get the lap. And that was the first ever event my parents ever showed up to. Oh my God. Oh no. (laughs) So like, not that that's, uh, I mean, that does not happen every day, you know, but that's the, that's how it goes. It sucks yeah, sometimes.
1: It's, an, it's part
2: of a hobby. What I, know,
1: what I found sometimes is. You, 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 sometimes you sit back and you go, what the hell are we doing here, though? right? Like... <laughs> that, that is actually,
2: I spent <clears throat> so much money. I should have put it towards my mortgage, not like let, broken race car parts. And... Yeah,
1: like the three of you could have like rental properties at, at <laughs> different beaches. It's just, you're,
4: I breaking, could have just... you're breaking rule number one. Never add up how much you spent. <laughs>
2: I, yeah, I had a sheet and I gave up on that. That was bad. Um, but, you know, that's, yeah. I didn't get into it to, to quit, I guess. And that is what I learned out of it. I never pushed harder after that event. Road Atlanta was like three weeks later and I, sh- Grant didn't think I was coming. And then there I was, car was running. It That was, I think the most seat time I ever got immediately after that event. Um, so it, I don't know. Both mentally tasking, physically tasking, time demanding, but I think it makes you grow as a person to realize what you're capable of. Yeah. And what you're not capable of, even, you know?
1: And how to so, handle devastation without complete, without My parents, they really, that was, I think, the first time they've ever
2: seen me completely blow a fuse. <laughs> and they couldn't, like, they were wondering say something and I'm just dead silent and not react like you know like I don't know how to describe it it's almost like in a movie when a parent loses their child and they just like seem normal they're just really quiet that was me uh, yeah cuz I lost my child that day yeah yeah
4: <laughs> the pressure is super on because my first event my parents are coming down from Cleveland and my we're in Cincinnati and my. Girlfriend's parents in Cincinnati are also gonna come. Oh, my God. girlfriend's oh, dad is an ex-fighter pilot.
0: So oh, I feel God. like hey, I feel like if you. I
4: fuck up anything, he'll be like, You didn't prepare for that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> how how could oh, you let this happen? Oh, so do y'all do y'all all live by each other, Kendall? You live in like another state, don't you?
2: Yeah. Um, close to us. Yeah. I'm in what? I'm near Asheville, North Carolina.
1: So oh, shit.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is totally off-topic, uh, but Jesse, there's a Revolution concert here on Wednesday. You should come up here for it. <gasps> Yo! I haven't been to a concert in a while, Yo! and I'm going alone right now, and I'm going to yes! get
1: real well, drunk. Well, ask me, right? I only live a couple hours away, and
0: I got dreads. Don't ask me. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> no, that's fucking road trip. I'll come from Alabama. I don't give a damn, okay? Dude, no. I, I was no, more no, stoked but...
4: when John said he mountain biked. I'm like, let's get together I... at Kendall's.
2: Okay, wait, well, this is, I'm going to ruin the podcast a little bit, but come on, John, we got race cars and mountain bikes in this direction. Well, I
1: saw the bikes and I didn't yeah. want to get off topic, but.
2: Mine? Gonna oh, so uh, out, we're going like, to, we're hey. going to, we're going to tie this into racing because all my bikes are e-bikes, so they haul ass. They got <laughs> motors in them <laughs> oh, damn. and my logos on them. So it's, it's pretty we make sweet. One
1: of those kind of bikes where I'm from
2: come come up here you won't make fun of them <laughs> once you ride them I, I rode one for the first
4: time on saturday they're really fun when you're climbing and like yeah. just doing on flat but taking them downhill it feels like i think you can assume it feels like you're dry, riding a bike with like 50 pounds under it oh yeah <laughs> you can't do anything
1: I've ridden, like one a, just, a I've ridden one just really quickly like kind of behind the bike shop and uh yeah, I get it. I mean, it's fun because you can kind of like give it a little goose you know, when you're like coming out of a corner. It's cool, man. It's cool. <laughs> so when's the Revolution? just came
0: out... Go ahead.
1: Well, we're not talking about cars anymore. When's Revolution
2: coming? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be on Wednesday and I was just listening to them the other day and I go every year to that concert and I was like, hey, well, you know, pandemic. I doubt they're touring. I'm going to look yeah. it up. And then it's They're at Salvage Station in Asheville on Wednesday, and I had such a blast last year.
1: Yo, I can't believe that you're a reggae guy. Dude, I can't believe. uh, I'm serious now. I was talking about rental properties. (laughs) You could get rid of that car. Asheville's like a serious kind of like Airbnb spot. You get a place and have that thing rented out. You could fund a little front-wheel drive Civic. Go. Or just put the
4: slum dog on Toro or whatever it's called.
1: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> we're gonna. Uh, I don't know if you saw the pictures. I had built out my shed that's on my property. It's like a 20 by 15 foot, it's a huge shed. I built it into a mini house to Airbnb, and then a, oh, the really? pandemic happened.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, good man. timing.
2: So, yeah, <laughs> perfect just timing.
1: you in the <laughs> night. But, but I, I have a do. guest <laughs> out, so if you come up here, there's a place to craft. Oh, for real? Oh, that is yeah. so sick. Shoot, do you are you into jeeps? <laughs> <laughs> you trying to go yeah, are we gonna have a jeep and crew now? Well, uh, I mean I, we I have wanted... a jeep and crew. <laughs> and we go up to like North Georgia Mountains and you know, like, that whole area where like North Carolina and Tennessee and North Georgia come together. Shoot, you could come on down and we could play. You what what kind of time just... What kind of Jeeps are you talking about? Because my good buddy builds ba- rock bouncers well see, there you go again, going too far. Like, no. <laughs> you, a Jeep, you, you, you don't have like a nine hundred the...
4: horsepower LS in your Jeep? <laughs>
1: no. Somebody that has one. Nope. We just go out there with our little gas station taquitos and
0: yep.
5: <laughs> oh, man. Little, little pigs on a blanket. My little Mountain Dew. I'm good to
0: go. I love how we're just all broing out now. Like this isn't even a podcast anymore. We're just hanging out. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, you know Revolution will do that. Yeah. Listen, I can true. see I see
5: Revolution on September twenty second. No, I swear I see going a Wednesday, September twenty second at six <sighs> with Steel Pulse, the green, and because right. tri-
0: well, I are figuring that out. Okay. Am I mistaken, or did I just see y'all release your own big break kit? Right? Oh, oh yeah. Um
2: Grant's got one. I've got one. We're doing them out of um, 6061 billet aluminum. Um, so it's kind of similar to the stop tech stuff, but with slight tweaks to it um, in terms of piston size and stuff for each chassis and um, rotor sizes.
0: So how did that come about? How did you get inspired to make your own big brake kit? And do you plan to sell them? Or are you bringing them to market? Um, yeah, so...
2: They're half. I, at this set, I really want to put a season on and test them. I had done a brake kit uh, Corvette brakes for Subarus where you modify and put the six-piston C6 Z06 calipers. That's what Slumdog has run up till now. And I've sold a, a good few of those sets, but I don't know. I thought I could do better because that's not designing from scratch. You know, um, it's modifying something on the market and it actually works really well because you can fit that set with 17 inch wheels, a six piston brake kit, which is rare. Um, But no, I wanted to step up our game a little bit and Grant's gonna be really probably the first one to push them. Um, So we'll see how they do on the Miata. And I had to calculate, have this huge sheet to see what braking force a stop tech kit would get. And o- the OEM stuff, and then the new one, and what master to size, and if you do dual masters, um, what pedal travel, and I don't know, That's it's exciting. kind of nerding out. It's nerding out with the engineering stuff. <laughs> the excel sheet's almost more impressive than the actual brakes themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool.
3: <laughs> so the cool thing the was next- the- That's a while.: cool thing was the flexibility because the is, you know they're all four lug. But right. uh, Kendall <laughs> wrote, uh, whip up a five lug design for the Miata that we're switching to, so it was
1: oh really uh, okay uh, no brain. Why don't you guys just build your own car company?
0: It's kind of what it's turning into, right?
1: <laughs> like more real on,
2: on <laughs> its way. Um, you know, it takes time and money, and uh, you know how I was getting on here late today was like. I don't know. I would say it got to end. I'm at the point where I have a a shop now, and I'm I got the dyno in there, and I'm trying to epoxy the floors and paint the walls and do all this stuff and get the shop nice so I can move out of what I'm sitting in now because I'm like you know I got cars on top of me at this point, uh, but it's money and I can only do so much at a time. And t- today was was a weird one where I had. John called me to give me the list of stuff he wants to do with this unlimited car. And another guy come in who wants to like completely ball out on a WRX and with blank checks. And in this industry, it's really surgy like that where now I feel like I've got some money to play with. Let's get some stuff going. But four hours ago, I was freaking out on how I was going to pay rent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the car
1: industry.
2: It's definitely, it's the car industry and, the longer I've been in it and getting reputations going and running cars on the racetrack and building stuff. I could not even imagine sitting where I'm sitting right now, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine where I'll be two years from now. Right. So who knows, maybe it'll be a full car company and we'll get, I've talked to David about this, you know, um, I got a dyno, David's an ECU guy. Um, and so is Nick Mitchell. You know, I got two tuners on the team. Let's get, let's start making some money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That'd be sick. So is that, I well, I was going to kind of ask, like, what the end goal is, you know, for y'all with the time attack thing. Like, I always wonder that about time attack. Like, wh- where do you think it's going to go? Like, what do you think <laughs> the end goal is? Do you guys just do it for the moment and because you love doing it and because you're, you know, it's the whatever, the adrenaline and trying to make, make it all work? Or do you have dreams of professional wheel-to-wheel racing? Or do you have dreams of Time Attack becoming, you know, something that could be a full-time career? Or like we're talking about, you all just go, hey, man, between the four of us, we can make a damn car. <laughs> you know? And, and, <laughs> like, I don't know. Where do you see it going in, like, a perfect world?
2: I want to hear David and Grant first before I answer that one.
1: (laughs) Grant, you're up. I'm up.
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mostly for me, time attack and the building of the cars is uh, you, me, I work full time at Honda. So you go to work every day and I'm paid to do this job every day, but the the engineering brain is always stir crazy. so, So you're sitting there and this is kind of my relief from, you know, the professional world. And this is a hobby that you get to enjoy, uh, you know, with uh, your friends and friends who become your family and you show up at the track with them every weekend and try and push the car. And, you know, if it breaks, everybody, you know, says, well, we'll we'll rebuild it and get out there for the next event. But if it succeeds, you know, you're there together as a team. Um, That's something special that, you know, we all share is that there's not, there is some teams out there, but, you know, it's uncommon in time attack. Usually it's onesie, twosie things, uh, out there, and that's awesome. But we have something pretty special, I feel like, here where we had multiple cars running, and we're all running for each other and together. So that's what kind of gets me out in the garage and gets that car to the event is, you know, that, that enjoyment. Yeah.
4: Uh, I feel like, I don't know, I'm kind of in the performance racing industry, and... Mm-hmm. My company treats me really well, and I I enjoy the work. So like I I wouldn't really want to leave to do any like kind of tuning or service industry related thing. Just because I feel like there's a lot of uh like just personality like media management, like keeping your name clear on social media and all that. Just like yeah. I'd rather make products for other people because then I can just really focus on engineering the best product. Yeah, uh, right. and like as far as making like being a race shop or something I, I get a little concerned that like if building race cars was my job that then it would become work yeah, and I, I kind of like the, the separation
1: it does but, but all uh, the guys but, that own race shops ain't racing right? no, no, no. I
4: mean look True. at Kendall <laughs> but
2: uh <laughs> he's muted he can't say shit <laughs> that's <it's> accurate but <laughs> I don't know. This is why I, do, I had him an answer first.
4: I do feel like we have an interesting team dynamic because we don't actually directly, like, wrench on each other's car all the time. Because Grant's up in Dayton. He's down in the Carolinas, and I'm in Cincinnati. So, like, I tune Grant's car on the dyno, and I wired his car. And then it's really just a lot of, like, pinging knowledge and advice off each other that – most people in the time and tech community I feel like would be open to telling you, but I don't know, I'm kinda like still at the noob stage where I'm afraid to ask a dumb question on social media, so I never post. Yeah. But then but then like when people see my work and stuff, they're like, Oh dude, you should post about that. I'm like, Dude, even if it's the best work in the world, I'd still just won't want to put it out there yet. But I'm i yeah, yeah. I'm sure with a little more years under my belt I'll get a little more like acquainted with the world and be willing to kind of right. my words out there but I'm always afraid some other individual is going to come out and like oh well technically you're supposed to tighten this fitting down in this manner and I'm like fuck I was wrong
1: I mean I think just statistically you're probably smarter than 99% of the people in this whole automotive aftermarket so it's not going to happen much (laughs) you know if if somebody calls you out that's like one or two percenters there yeah I wouldn't stress that. You're down. gonna want to hear from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And they're probably uh, gonna be smart enough to respect and not just call you out. I, I also feel that after, maybe after my first years
4: in the books, I'll be more like, oh, like involved in the community. But I almost feel like I can't, I shouldn't say anything yet, cause like, who the fuck am I? Like I'm just, yeah, I, I'm a nobody I at this point. Even if, even if I'm technically savvy and like. I understand the proper way to build something. It's still like, no, I haven't put in my time. Like I I haven't shown up and done the thing, and until yeah. I've done the thing, I don't I feel like I don't have the the uh, I haven't earned the privilege to be a part of the conversation yet.
2: Fake it till you make it.
0: <laughs> hey, that's on, what I David, do,
2: David you're the yeah. best. There's no one that compares. I'm going to sell the shit out of you for <laughs> Dino Time you're
4: the best like man if you pay me 150 grand I'll, I'll come down there
2: I don't know that's I don't know about that <laughs> where did you say you are
4: are you in Cincinnati or Cleveland I'm in Cincinnati I grew up in Cleveland okay
1: alright that's cool yeah Asheville is like one of my spots man I could I could grow old in Asheville I'm gonna grow old, old in you won't have Asheville. to pay me that much but I'll mess all your crap up real bad You know, and then I I can
2: pull engines
1: after you work on them. Yeah,
2: (laughs) after he breaks (laughs) them. This is uh, kind of one of my learning processes where I let uh, someone else do some stuff and they uh, they forgot to put some parts in this engine. Really? Oh, man. Yes. Important? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, valve seals are kind of important. <laughs> you know what? Hold on. I'm going to stop you. He
4: he keeps blaming this mystery man, but about a year ago, we were trying to get his car started for the first time on the ECU that I wired in. I didn't have time to start at my shop. I gave it back to him, and it's just blowing through the intake. We're trying to get the, tr- the sink and everything to be timed properly, and uh, and then he goes, oh, my coils, he plugged in his coil connectors backwards, so he had his cylinders all mixed up. And then he goes, oh, it was the other guy that did it. I didn't do
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> what asshole did this?
2: <laughs> okay, for, first of all, um, same person. <laughs> I, no, no. So so I told
4: moving? you guys that uh, he, I started building so my amazing. car when I was like 8, 17, 18. So, I did a lot of stuff when I really didn't. I like learned everything on this car because, like, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a car family at all. And yeah. uh, whenever my friends come across something in my 240 that's kind of jacked up, we call a like teen year old me previous owner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So there are a lot
4: of things where, like, who did this? And I was like, I don't know, previous owner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny. Uh, I'm going to really start cute. using that. I'm going start to
1: feel that too
2: that's uh it's probably not appropriate for the podcast but the uh the rolling chassis analogy is also a great one i'll let david explain it if he feels that that's appropriate kendall has bring it on man
4: kendall has terrible dating advice he says (laughs) i said look i like i like women who are kind of put together like I don't like high maintenance girls. Whoa but,
2: whoa whoa. No, you said, no, you no said. No, 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 <laughs> the first woman. The first <laughs> woman, ten, ten the first woman who's remotely girls. okay. <laughs> I said I've dated a few I've dated a few rolling chassis before. They're, they got pretty, They got pretty bodies. But there's not much else going on there. <laughs> oh man, that's
5: awesome. Oh, man.
2: Look, and then oh, you could get a sleeper though. You know? <laughs> Not really a looker, but there's there's some good shit a under the hood.
5: Really
2: <laughs> no. Well, maybe. I don't know. It's up for
1: interpretation. Oh man. So Write that I down, Hunter. Of... He's like, kind okay. Of, Kurt. Uh... We're still trying yeah. to find Hunter a good wholesome woman. Yeah. She's <laughs> not in Vegas. Hey, put
5: that on your She's tennis.
4: not. She's Garage kept.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Straight body, no Bondo, no hail yeah. damage. All right. there's. So. find him a girl in Asheville.
0: <laughs> I want to take it back to how we met the Mechanical Advantage boys. Um, So, know. well, actually, this is my first time meeting David. I didn't even know David existed until like <laughs> <the night time.
1: laughs> i because I read night. Jesse's article in my, my magazine. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I was like, oh,
2: okay. But, that, that's uh, why I wanted him on here. Get a, get a face to the name.
0: So what was it it was Red Life midwest last year right me and jesse we had an assignment to walk around we got sent scott from Koenig Wills, which um we just did an interview with this most previous podcast he sent you know us a list he was like hey go walk around and interview um these dudes Long you know these dudes people. on Koenigs, right so we got a long list of people jackie ding you know sally was running Koenigs at the time sally mcnulty um devin with the k turbo k s2000 all these different cars and then um at the time i had a miata that i was working to to k swap um never happened. i did
3: not know that
0: yeah, well, never happened. So don't He was like, oh, that. this
3: is expensive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm screwed. Um, Probably not going to do uh, this anymore. But so on the list, it says uh, Grant Walker, Turbo K Miata. Um, and I was like, and, and dude, this is the first time me and Jesse have ever done anything interview style like this. This was brand new to us. We had... I mean, we had an idea, but if we're being honest, we had no clue what we were doing. We're just kind of <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go. You know, we're super nervous. And then, so we're just having to like, like Scott gave none of these people heads up. We're cold rolling up to people. So, you know, me and Jesse, Jesse in like neon pineapple pants, <laughs> with this giant like me, the idiot I am, we roll up. You know, and sure enough, we meet Grant Walker and we couldn't get our microphone to work. We spent like, what, 15 <laughs> to 25 yeah, minutes with Grant, just like, this is not working. And finally, <laughs> and Grant's just cracking up the whole time because like you guys can tell he's he's a little quiet, you know, shy guy. So I'm like, we look like an idiot in front of this dude. Like, this is going absolute. What kind of media company are we? Like, I am totally crashing <laughs> myself. And so you know, ended up doing the interview. It went well. Koenig never used it, probably for good reason. But we (laughs) did it. I never got the mic working. And but since then, you know, like the like Grant and the Mechanical Advantage Boys, we've just kind of been friends ever since. So I'm curious, what was your initial thoughts of me and Jesse (laughs) when we walked up to you that day? I
5: don't want to hear this.
0: Initial,
3: appra- I don't know, I mean you guys were uh, obviously. I c- didn't know how many times you'd use the microphone, but you were you were giving it your hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent.
5: We ended up like trashing that microphone, yeah. and I just yeah. got some extension wire with my uh dead cat uh,
3: microphone. String. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> but no, it was more. I mean, it was that initial interview and then every time we'd see each other at the event walking around whatever it'd just be a big one oh, hey man what's going on you know and it, that's i think that's what it kind of turned into and then eventually it's uh, uh nap city at uh grid life south yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah if you watch our like what was it like the hottest points of grid life or something like that we did a video um and in it about halfway through um, we were finding people to interview and talk to about grid life and we were like, Our boy Grant, our boy Grant and our boy Kendall. That's who we gotta go talk to. So we're <laughs> in the type R like we're in type R and we're so stoked to roll up to our boys from Mechanical Advantage, right? And like we roll up, nobody's there. The cards are there, but nobody's <laughs> there. Like, man, where that we know Jesse, Jesse taps me on the shoulder and goes, Turn around. <laughs> Grant Slumped, not like drunk or anything, but he is napping hard, dude. Just passed out, laid back in his lawn chair, and like we like rolled up. We walked up to him, we filmed him. I got <laughs> some like <laughs> stuff, oh, dude. He was snoozing. So if you go, if you go check out that video on YouTube, you'll see Grant and probably the best nap of his life. <laughs> it I was so hot and so shaded.
3: Yeah,
2: but that was, yeah. I think that was probably the worst nap of his life because I'm pretty yeah. sure he had given up on the weekend because his gearbox grenaded. Yeah. And he, that was the screw it, I'm going to bed kind of <laughs> nap. Like, I've stayed yeah, up this This
5: is three what you have to look straight. forward
1: to. <laughs> what gearbox are you running? BMW?
3: Yeah, BMW five speed. ZF. five
1: speed? Okay. I thought the BMWs were a six speed that you used with, with, Faye hey, miana No, they're five.
3: There is a six speed you can run in the car, but the, I had a friend that uh, he kind of brings in cheap BMWs and parts them out. And he had like a couple of these sitting on his garage floor, and that was the easy choice. Gave them to me for a pretty good deal. So, oh, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. That's cool. All right, guys. Well, I think we've been going uh, long enough. It's been really fun talking to you all once again. Thanks, uh, David, Grant. Kendall, um, if you guys are watching the video, you will have seen Kendall knee deep this entire time in, in a Subaru, Subaru, um, aka
1: job security. security. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you've learned and, anything,
3: that's what we've learned.
0: <laughs> uh, and out almost out. Oh. Shout out to the stack of conings in the background too. Yeah, um, oh, can you say, actually see
5: those?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah we There's, can see. Them. I, you know, I, it's not like I place them
2: there or anything. For this video, (laughs) you'll never know. Shout out.
5: So, where can we find y'all online, website, Instagram?
2: Oh, yeah, Pornhub. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, m a racing.net. And then we got Grant as um, Mechanical Advantage Miata on Instagram. And then myself with the main page, Mechanical Advantage Racing. And um, David, what was your Instagram? Do we have your?
5: Yeah,
4: I
1: Tell me it's one like one still one something from high school. No, I don't <laughs> have like Instagram. DSM player. You don't have an Instagram. How <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you? Yeah. You know what?
4: After tonight, I'm going to get off here and I'm going to make an Instagram. Don't. Oh, please. Don't. Make you can have, mine. Just make
1: mine. I, you <laughs> can have mine. You can have mine. Honestly, <laughs> how, hey, guys, do, you do
4: I need mine. to make a dedicated social media profile for my car?
3: No, you, oh,
5: can. you mean a car domain? Is, is that how it goes? <laughs> no,
0: I, I don't have. I, don't I, do it. I did at one point. I had a separate page for my boring ass Focus ST when I was like first in college. And then I was like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? Nobody cares about this white cord.
1: Uh, guys, check out my white Focus.
0: <laughs> yeah, completely stock. Do you have That's the
4: thick. SPT tattoo on your calf like every other high school dropout?
0: Oh, uh, I should. I'm going to go get it tomorrow just because you said
1: that. <laughs> Thank God I never got a tattoo in college because it would have been the Japanese little kanji or whatever for Mitsubishi. I'll never forget the first... The Are you first... coming
0: at me? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: so
5: attacked right now. The
4: first Dude. meme I ever saw was it was a picture of an EN SRT4 and it said the official car of the high school dropout. Oh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh... Damn. Oh, the shots fired.
1: Close to home. i never had that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm inter- going
0: to close. podcast with some is to make an Instagram. Otherwise, how are we supposed to maintain our friendship that we just
4: made? You can just look up my name, David Otterbury, on Facebook, like
2: an old David, boomer. David,
4: <laughs> David Otter? Otter? Otterbox. O T T O B R E.
2: Nickname Otterbox. Otterbox. He doesn't Otterbox. stop talking, he just keeps going. And going. <laughs> Dave, um, right now on the uh, on the note of like the five cars under $5,000 that yeah. not all of our stuff got used I'm really bummed because my top pick was a PT Cruiser I really want to see someone build <laughs> one of those for time attack yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, PT oh, Cruiser no, RT no didn't get
2: used. yeah think about one of those as an unlimited car like if someone What's just it? went all out on a pt cruiser and then it like beat willow young Th- what how would that change your mind about racing
1: like let's <laughs> talk about the, whole world to the dirt.
2: yeah wasn't
1: there a pt cruiser at neverlift yes um,
2: there
1: was yes. and it and actually
0: it was, won the front wheel drive class
1: i think it was doing like 167 miles an hour or something because it got beat by miles kerr the integra dude um and he was running like 180 something that weekend i think and and I remember the guy going, Let's not overlook this freaking PT cruiser that just ran 167 miles an hour. Yeah, it's a killer car. I used to have one, man. i, <laughs> I had a five speed slapping his knee for a PT <laughs> cruiser. <exactly> right. <laughs> Did look, it have the turbo, the turbo 2.4 in it, dude? I could not afford that. I had a five speed. <laughs> factory no ac it was a brand new eight thousand nine hundred dollar pt cruiser because when we got the magazine oh i had a dsm so it broke you know like the week <laughs> i got the magazine because it loved me and uh I had i had no money when i say i had no money Shut up, y'all. He hadn't heard the story. Do you think everybody listens to every podcast we make? Jesus, do you think people that run for president never say the same thing on the campaign trail? <laughs> I, I, was, I was poor to where you look at the store brand box macaroni, and go, how many do I really need? So I ended up with the $8,000 PT Cruiser because <clears throat> I needed a car. <laughs> and I owned it for like six years. And now I don't feel like I can talk about it anymore because they're sitting there. Back seats <laughs> out. It's great. It's perfect car.
0: It's a bad rap. You should have never got rid of it. I don't know why you got rid of it. You only paid out eight of That car. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: How My the buddy. hell are you going to own a tuner magazine and drive a PT crew? <laughs> hey, but
2: I, you that's why on. you should have made it into an unlimited car and beat up some people with it. And they would have been are like, Dude, this, this guy has a car magazine and then you publish all your articles about how that's like the build?
1: <laughs> it was silver with gold XXRs. It looked like an igloo. <laughs> <laughs> it like an
0: igloo. That's perfect. I love it. All right, but we got to cut have- this. We're pushing two hours again. These are supposed to be 45 minutes, but we're having a blast. We're hanging out um, with our buddies. Thank you very much, Mechanical Advantage Racing, for hanging out with us. We look forward to seeing your cars on the track this season um, with the uh, Gridlife crew. Uh, But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, oh, and by the way, you guys don't have to hang up every time that we've filmed a podcast and ended it, everybody immediately hangs up and we have to call them back. You don't have to hang up. Uh, We're just ending it. But anyways, thank you very much for watching. We will see you next time.